I can't. Right? Uh, who knows the meaning of the word Hosanna? I see Anthony got his hand up pretty, pretty kind of this high. Okay, there you go. All right, Anthony, you're up, man. What does it mean? Hosanna mean? Right? Okay. What's that? Okay, what else? Julie Richter? Healed, saved, delivered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let, if you have your Bibles with you, which I'm hoping you do, uh, why don't you go to Psalm 118. 118, it's, it's both praise, uh, and, but it's as root. Let's look and look at the root. This is the only place in the in the Old Testament, Hosanna is used. Right? If somebody got it, Psalm 118, 25, are you there? How about we My soul cleaves to the dust. Oh, 25, sorry. Oh, so, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 118, 25. <laughs> that would have been good too. <laughs> oh Lord, do save, we beseech you. Oh Lord, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Yeah. Now, this this, uh, this this is a cry. Really what it is. It's a crying out. And it's so deep. We've all had to pray about something that was imminent or struggling or a bill or taxes, which you're almost due, or uh, a relationship that's been funky. Or, man, we've all had that. And we've cried out. But this cry right here is deeper than that. <laughs> This cry is saying, save us. Save us. It's not, he's not saying, deliver me from a tough thing. That's an okay cry, too. He's saying, there's a, there's a chasm between us, God, that, has, that is there, not because, Lord, you have made it impossible, but because, Lord, that nature in me recognizes this is an unsolvable issue. It's an unsolvable issue. The, the world long jump, I don't know what it is right now, all right? Uh, 25 feet, 26 feet, 28 feet, I don't know what it is, right? But uh, to, to get across the Grand Canyon is about a mile. So it doesn't matter how good of a long jumper you are, you're not going to make that gap. And that, you know, our heart knows it. And the psalmist here is saying, uh, he's saying, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. Now, we don't use beseech a lot, right? Uh, it'd be interesting to go around the room and find out what we do. But it, it just means that, that we're, we're saying that, Lord, this is a problem, and we have many others, but this is like the issue here. And there's something about the sound. See, we don't, we don't use Hosanna much nowadays. But when you're exalting the Lord, maybe you have a word. I was talking the last hour, I was talking about when I first became a Christian back in the 1820s, okay, uh, you'd be in church or something, and somebody would want to, man, just exalt the Lord. And they would go, glory! <coughs> and it was like, wow, that's cool. All right? That was, like, that was from the heart. Glory! God, you be you. You demonstrate you right here. It was a great one. People say, hallelujah. Or people say, praise you, Lord. But in this particular moment, we want to take a look at Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And this word is on the lips of people. That they have celebrated uh, a feast in Israel 
video one, I want you to hold on to it throughout this moment. The reaction of a person towards Jesus Christ reveals that person's soul and predicts their destiny. I'll read it one more time. The reaction of a person toward Jesus Christ reveals that person's soul and predicts their destiny. We're in this place today of, of recognizing, celebrating, putting our arms around Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And sometimes when we hit an annual something, we think, I heard it, been there, done that. And yet, this is a particular account which stands out in the Bible. I mean, they're all great. But this one stands out. In fact, there's an old... I read uh, a lot of books that uh, uh, the people are no longer living. Right? Uh, you can get those a lot cheaper. I really enjoy it. It delves into the Word. But uh, there's a particular uh, old dude that I read that, man, he was just saying that this, uh, this account of Jesus coming in on this cult donkey. Man, it's a strange event. In terms of strange, like, man, Jesus doesn't do this. Jesus in his whole ministry never says, hey, look at me. He never says when he heals somebody, hey, man, why don't you go tell your friends uh, we have church service Thursday at 6 o'clock, man, tell your friends and uh, have them show up. He, he didn't do that. He never said, watch me, do me, it's me. And yet in this particular circumstance, man, he does that. But how he does it, man, it just, it just, it's just so deep and so good. Because we find Jesus, let's just, if you have Matthew, if you have Matthew in your Bible, go ahead and turn to it. Matthew 21. It says that when they had approached Jerusalem, Jesus is with his crew, and something has just occurred, because Bethany is the hometown of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And what's occurred is, is this, 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 this man, Lazarus, has, has died, and Jesus called him out of the tomb, resurrected this boy, after a number of days of being dead and and this family was uh, well enough known that lots of folks, uh, Jerusalem's like right over there, all right? Uh, it's not even as far as here to here to Burns, okay? It's just right over there. The people and the uh, Jewish folks had come to mourn with this family and were gathered at the gravesite. And Jesus uh, weeps with them as they're mourning, but says, roll the stone away. And the sister says, this is King James. No, Lord, for he stinketh. All right? Everybody's had a stinky little brother, okay? Well, this is a situation where this guy's been dead, and she didn't want to defile his memory. So they roll the stone away, and what does Jesus say? He says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus couldn't help him. See, there was nothing to work with. It wasn't like a little life, or he had swooned, or uh, he was just passed out. No, he was dead, dead. And this wonderful uh, phrase in the Bible that says, he who was dead came forth. And this is, this is that moment that Jesus moves from that 
Jerusalem. And it comes into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is a raised, or we wouldn't call it a mountain, but it's a raised hill, all right? And trees and olive trees. But you would go down into a little valley and then you come up and enter Jerusalem. So as they approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into uh, the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. This account without this donkey business would be something else. That people would be maybe spontaneous gathering or you'd have this crowd effect of just this miracle being done, even though people were rejoicing over the things that Jesus was doing. But this is intentional on Jesus' part. Where this donkey was, who he belonged to, all that prepared. We sometimes think solutions and problems are so far away because we put up with it for so long. But realize God doesn't think that way. And so here's this, uh, this donkey in her colt. Now, he's not talking about a newborn foal, a small, teeny little donkey. He's talking about a donkey that nobody's ever ridden on before. My sister had an Appaloosa colt one time, never had anybody ride on it, so guess what I thought about doing? Yeah, let's ride this horse, all right? And it, it, didn't, it was unusual for the horse, and it's a story for another day. <laughs> Doesn't end well. But Jesus is, is intentionally dealing with an event, something that's about to happen, but it requires the right transportation to say the right thing. He says, if anyone says anything, verse 3, to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send them. All you have to do is say it. It's all been prepared. But this took place to fulfill was spoken through the prophet. This is Zechariah, actually, um, 9.9. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king, I'm sorry, Behold, your king is coming to you. There's something about that phrase, man, I love. That in this Hosanna's cry, Lord, save now, we beseech you is this solution, it has to come from God's side. And back in Zechariah 9.9, this is about 500 years before this, this, this coming into Jerusalem. It's been prepared. Jesus didn't, effort, through effort, fulfill prophecy. Jesus fulfilled prophecy of old because he walked by the Spirit. And he comes into these moments that couldn't be fulfilled by anybody else. Couldn't be put together by anybody else. Your, your, your king is coming to you. God is coming from the other side of the abyss to come and rescue you. That Hosanna's cry is to somebody who could do something about it. It's a cry that leaves out our limitations, leaves out the filters, leaves out the things that would cause us to shut up and be quiet and causes this expression of God save now. 
can ride him, says back in Zechariah, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them. And he said on the coats, most of the crowd spread their coats on the road, and others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them on the road. But there's something happening here where people are taking, in those days, your coat was also your blanket, which was also a lot of other things, okay? It was your picnic cloth, whatever, all right? And they put them on this donkey, and then they, they, they put them in the road. And they went and caught branches and put them in the road. Here's this kind of this picture to these people, this, this moment where they're remembering uh, Psalm 118, because Psalm 118 was quoted uh, throughout the, 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 what's called the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, where the whole nation of Israel would take time off and honor God for how he protected them when they had no dwelling place, when they had no home, when they had no place to put their toothbrush. Okay? And they, during this uh, feast, people would go out and cut trees and, 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 and live in these little, like outside, remembering what it was like. But on the last day of the feast, this was called what? This was called Hosanna. And they remembered that. And so they were cutting branches. They were, they were not celebrating the, the, this, this festival of tabernacles. It kind of bled over into this moment as a, as a point of worship. As a point of recognizing that God has heard our cry. You know, to cry out is one thing, but man, to know you're heard, man, that's a different thing. And they were laying their coats, you know, and, and Jesus is going to sit on it. Anybody ever smell a horse blanket? I love that smell, actually. There's a, but there's a funky horse sweat kind of smell to it. Well, your coat's going to smell like that now. Or you're going to have your coat thrown in the road, and people and donkeys and donkeys who aren't not you're not potty trained, right? They're gonna it's on your clothes. And yet there was this 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 desire to just honor something, honor God, do something. But out of their lips comes some, something. He says the crowds, as they were laying their coats on, the crowds that were ahead, we're in verse 9, the crowds that were ahead of him. And those that followed were what? Shouting. You know, it's been a long time for me to be free in a public setting to do what's in my heart. I've been around long enough to know what's proper and what's not. I'm not talking about disorder. But they couldn't help it. Because it's not so much whether a cry of God saving them just got louder and more profound. It was God we've cried out to us, uh, cried out to is saving us. Here he is. And they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Every Jew knew this was only the name tag of the Messiah. No one else got this phrase. They were saying, without the cross yet, without the resurrection yet, the Holy Spirit was breathing on these souls to bring them into a place where they 
participated with this entry into Jerusalem. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who has what bridged the abyss to come and do to us what he's promised. And do to us in this situation where we have broken fellowship with God and he's here to repair it. Hosanna in the what? Highest. So just as Anthony said, this cry of Lord save us now is turning into worship. And when he entered Jerusalem in verse 10, all the city was stirred, saying, Who's this? And the crowds, can you see him? There's people on, in the, standing outside their homes or shops or, or whatever, and this throng is kind of going down the trail a little bit. And people are saying, Who is this? And the people in the crowd say, Man, this is him. This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth and Galilee. This is him. This is the God. And Jesus entered the temple. Now I want you to get this picture, all right? That in Jerusalem, there is the outer courts um, that contain one, the, the court of the Gentiles, and then a little further later was the, uh, the court for the Jews, which led what? To the outer court, which led to the holy, holy place, which led to the Jesus entered into this place, this, this courtyard. And he does something in, in Matthew here. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it's written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a, den, a robber's den. He's saying there's something that's being misrepresented here. There's something that's out of sort with the cry of Hosanna. There's a commercializing of something when people have walked a long ways and they haven't brought that lamb or that dove and they can get it right over here at Walmart and just come right into the temple. It'll be easier for them. And, and we can make a few dollars. See, what is the point? of serving God and obeying Him. Bring the, the lamb without spot or blemish or disease or wrinkle. And carry him from your hometown and come into the temple and really make an offering. But no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to check the box, as Bill would say in Ireland. We're going to tick the box. And we're going to say we got it done just the way God wanted. Lamb, everything. But it didn't cost me anything. Jesus said, man, this misrepresents your shouts. But it says in verse 14, it says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things, when you see the wonderful things, what's it do to you? How we what? React to Jesus Christ. It's not about we can study it out. It's not about we can think it out. But there he is, and what are we going to do? And the chief priest saw the wonderful things that people that were in bondage and sick and held captive were released. 
And this is what they saw as well, verse 15, and the children who were shouting in the temple. Now, if any of you grew up in church, sweetie, don't stand in the pew. Sweetie, don't do this. Sweetie, don't do that. Don't not too noisy, not too loud. You know, uh, it, it's this, all right? Because someday, sweetie, you will be able to sit here on a pew and dip that mat just like me. But these children were shouting in the temple. They were running around. Uh, we've done all that too, right? Here's what they were saying. Hosanna to the son of David. No adult in the temple court was saying that. They said it on the road. But they were afraid they'd be looked at. They'd be afraid they'd be sized up. They'd be afraid, man, these people are going to push us out of the synagogue. Man, be careful. These kids were not careful. They didn't have the filter. They were still sinners like everyone else. But they didn't have the sophisticated filter that said, man, stifle yourself. They couldn't help it. And those that were supposed to be in charge of the health of Israel turned to Jesus and said, do you hear what these children are saying? They were not saying, isn't that marvelous? They were saying, why? Look what you've caused. You've caused these little kids to be so caught up in the moment that blasphemy is coming out of their little mouths. And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? Christians never leave the reading of the word. Never leave it. Never just read your favorite parts. Be counseled by the whole council. Don't wait for preacher Joe to tell you what it's about. Find out for yourself who he's like. Find him, the one who saved you. Find him in his word. That he's not going to be something different than this, but he's going to be this fulfiller and the changer of the inner man. Because in how we react to Jesus Christ, we'll display our soul, and it will determine our destiny. And Jesus said, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise yourself. There's something about the genuineness of a little kid. They say some crazy stuff. I mean, really. Vicki and I were talking about my oldest son. Uh, you know, he got Jesus and rodeo cowboys kind of mixed up. And we had a butcher block in our house. He would come springing out from underneath it. And he'd be the announcer. Here comes Jesus out of shoot number three on his nose. All right? So he had, he had the whole thing taken care of. All right? It's crazy what they say. But it's also amazing the messenger that they are. The same Luke when he was four, five, probably four-ish. And, you know, little kids, they'll follow you around the house and go, Dad, 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 Dad. And they do this all the time. And so you as a dad, you don't know what's going to be Dad, 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 what? Hi, Dad, I'm here. I mean, they do, they do stuff like that, right? They just, they don't know what they're going to say until you say, oh, what do you need? Then they'll make up something. And so I was wandering in the house. I was so busy. I was going to do something and behind and late, unprepared perhaps, thinking about what's going to go on, had a full day, and I'm going around the house with this little tag along, going everywhere with me, and I'm like treating them like what? Uh, just, just noise. Right? I'm just going to have to move through white noise. 
So we go into the bathroom, and finally I couldn't take it anymore. Luke, I'm getting ready. I've got to go to work. And out of this little body comes this phrase, Dad, I am your work. Whew. Man, I couldn't. I had to get down on the floor. That's an old story, but it always does this to me. There's something about that little voice arresting, not the heart of his dad, but the heart of his dad, arresting it. Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, I hear it. And you know what? I receive it. And he left it and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. Psalm 8-2 basically says what Jesus had quoted. He says, You build a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. There's something about that the child in us is not dead. Hasn't become so sophisticated that now we're the adult with thick filters and human experience that tempers our cry to him and hearing his voice back. There's something about these things that today we we have the opportunity to grasp. We see how Jesus came into the city. He came into the city to demonstrate that he's able. It says our God is strong to save. He's able. And more than being able, he's willing. And he shows us how willing by so demonstrating though so demonstrating that he was fulfilling. The world still mocks him. The world still questions him. We were those who did the, the very same thing. But as he was fulfilling, what happened is not just he became qualified to do it or demonstrated his qualification. He brings to us in saving us a confidence in him that doesn't have to be this hybrid mixture between the confidence in myself and hopefully God will be who he says he is. <clears throat> Tell you what, he's hearing us. Exodus 3, 7 says this. This is a situation where God is, is, is sending Moses. He's ordaining this man for the work that's ahead at the burning bush. And he starts by saying this in verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their trespassers. I know their sorrows. There's something about realizing that he's hearing, that we don't have to put on a religious outfit for him to hear us. But we can come to him, that little kid who comes up at the wrong time and asks for a cookie. Realizing his parents are going to say, sweetie, it's before dinner, all his rules. And is shocked to hear his mom or dad say, well, come over here, let's get two. 
One for you, one for me. And he comes humble. He comes humble. He comes in such a way that he demonstrates, I'm not here to hold you accountable for everything. I will do that. I will drink this cup of wrath for you. And then he comes with peace. In ancient times, when a military figure entered a town on a donkey, this was not unheard of. Jesus knew what he was demonstrating. These people knew what he was saying. When, a, when, a, when they entered a town on a donkey, it was a sign of peace. But when this military figure entered on a white horse, it was a sign of triumph over his foes. I want to tell you something. We're still in the season of Jesus having entered on the colt of the donkey. But there will come a time where he'll be on the white horse. Amen. Not something we should be afraid of. But it is something that's going to happen. And he's going to have victory over heaven and earth. He came serving. Isn't it good when you start a new job or you, you know you just get done with grade school, then you gotta go to middle school, then you're like at the bottom of the E. You just get to the place in middle school, you kind of whip it, then you gotta go to high school, then you're what? Bottom of the E. And then you go from college, you know, you go to college, you go to job, bottom of the E. You change jobs, bottom of the E. Okay? We're used to this cycle. When am I going to be in a place? Jesus said to his disciples, you guys are talking about being the greatest. He says, man, there are people among you, your benefactors. Well, you know what? They lord it over you. Are you looking for that boss? Well, you're okay. Because the boss says you're okay. Or is your headwaters of who you are come from heaven and say, I've made you okay. I've restored you to good. I've taken you now to great. Is your destiny the best the world has to offer? Or what he offers? Jesus said, man, I didn't come serving. I didn't come <laughs> lording over you. Okay? But serving. He says, man, the greatest among you is going to came exactly. He came exactly. He didn't come as a close copy, but he came fulfilling prophecy after prophecy. History had no, had no hold on the testimony of Jesus. It just points to him. And then he came as a prophet. That even in these accounts, all four Gospels have an of this moment. And the kids going kind of crazy or the crowd going kind of crazy and, 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 and letting it out. And those who were supposed to be tending the spiritual health of Israel trying to, trying to rub him out. Trying to, trying to get the crowd back to where they need to be. Afraid of what's going to happen. And Jesus told them, just listen. All this outer stuff in the Holy of Holies, in this temple, when Jesus came into the courts of the temple. What was in the Holy of Holies? Nothing. 
covenant wasn't there. The testimony of the manna that was in that wasn't there. It was empty. That place that was designed and built and represented God among his people now had been changed to Emmanuel. God actually is with us. There is no need for the outside because what I've done is to bring the kingdom inside the hearts of men and women and children. There was nothing there. And he said, man, there's going to come a time and they're going to level this place because you missed this coming. You missed this moment. And each generation has its opportunity. How men and women react to Jesus Christ will display our soul and determine our destiny. The Hosannas, the Hosannas had changed. That their, this heartfelt God save us now had moved to this place of worship. This this not only a prayer for help and salvation, but now becomes an invocation of blessing. It becomes something, I've been hosannaed. You get what? This designation that you're changed, you're different. And you can say so. And it becomes an exclamation of praise. It wasn't the loud shouting of how far we are from God. It was the loud shouting of Hosanna fulfilled. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the actual term for it was the Great Hosanna. Even the boughs that they would cut down for making their booths was called Hosanna. The children shouted, and what they were saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. The rocks. Man, it talks about the rocks, doesn't it? Jesus is saying to them, this is in um, Luke 19, 40. Yeah. People were shouting. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the keepers of the health. I don't want to just crank on Pharisees. This is a thinking. It's not that the Pharisees just did this kind of thinking. But people who think like Pharisees think like this. That they've exchanged rule keeping for the word. They've, what, made the outside more important than the inside. The Pharisees in the crowd, when they heard this, they turned to Jesus, God in the flesh. They turned to the one that was solving this problem of this great chasm between God and man. They turned to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Bring order here. You're out of bounds. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent. What happens, folks, when we become silent? God will still have a testimony because these stones will cry out. He's saying stones, rocks, granite, 
have more tenderness and shape, uh, shaping ability than the heart of a stubborn man or woman. That for these that are watching this happen, there were men and women who didn't know what was happening. They asked, who is this? And they were informed. There were kids in the temple shouting. Can you see the grandparents running around? The parents, hey, 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 hey. But what they were shouting. Miracles had been done. Lazarus had been raised. The, the sick that were called or brought in this great throng to the temple were healed. And in the midst of that, these Pharisees were not moved by piety. They were moved by fear and pain. Whenever we are moved by those two things, life becomes something different than your destiny. He says, man, if we shut these up, if we stifle this, you're saying Hosanna is still a cry of the heart to a God who's not listening, and it's going to come in some uh, bygone days, it's going to come in some great future event, but it's not now. He's here now. He's here in this place now. He's here now. What is going to be our response? He said to those that resisted him, that were Pharisees at heart, he said, you did not recognize the time of your visitation. We live in a culture that wants to push this into Myth, like mythology. And yet, the time of his visitation, he will not always be summed up as this king riding the colt of a donkey. There's something about our time and our season, folks, that even the rocks, man, this resistance and fear, this missing his presence, Rocks are more tender than hardened human hearts. So what can we say of the king's kingdom? The rider on the donkey, on the donkey's colt, folks, he's still here. He's alive and well. And he's knocking on the door of human hearts. And he's asking us if we're willing to be free of being hybrids being a little bit for Jesus, a little bit for me, and a little bit for the world. George Whitfield preached in the coal fields of northern England. He would take his little horse and he'd have a little pulpit and he would unfold it and he'd take two steps up and it'd be about this high. Great revivals occurred, many got saved, but he said that there would be children that would gather at the base of his pulpit, young boys and girls. And as the crowd began to throw eggs at him, and garbage and dirt, these kids stayed there. And he said, man, I looked down at those little tearful eyes, and he says, man, these kids look like they were willing to take the blows for me. See, there's something about being single-hearted changes the game. And we lose our strategizing 
for keeping those three parts alive. And we become one man and or woman. We become one person. But in it, we become something, somebody that's going to say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. To lose our fear. To lose trying to maintain this need to, de to defend and to save myself. To be uh, received by the world and at the same time serving God. Man, I'll tell you what, it'll pull you apart. How a human being reacts to Jesus Christ will determine and reveal <coughs> their soul. And will what? Tell about their destiny. He's heard your cry. He's heard my cry. He's heard it. He's heard it. But how will you and I, how are we going to react to him? This church is built to 300 people. I mean, there are probably 1950 people. single-hearted person is for that little kid. That little kid doesn't have the divided spirit. They don't. But that will only happen as we look back. We can't adjust. We can't make the self quieter. We can't make the need for the world uh, less in our life. It's got to be overcome. And the only place for it to be overcome is to clean the slate. To let the Hosanna of God this saving us have its full work in us. We're so afraid we're going to become a religious beanbag. And ladies are going to wear a little gingham dress. And, and, and guys are going to be wearing a white uh, a belt with white shoes. And that people won't like you anymore. Guess what? They already don't like you. 
they need is a testimony of Christ through you. Amen. They need the Hosanna and it's video from you. How many of us really want that? Man, I do. Man, I got a I've got a ton of things that need to be changed and adjusted. But man, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. This is the last stop for me. Because what needs to happen in our time, in our destiny, is for our communities <coughs> to change. And for us not to hold up in here. But get strengthened, encouraged, and equipped. And man, just be who you are out there. We just need Christian doctors. We need Christian uh, politicians. We need all that out there. But we need where Christian is in front instead of behind us. I'm a politician that happens to be a Christian. Switch it around. I'm a Christian who happens to be a politician. The reaction of a person towards Jesus Christ reveals that person's soul and predicts their destiny. This childlike heart is still available. Believe in him. Have faith in him. Exchange that mixed up hybrid life. Exchange it. Exchange it. Get rid of it. And find yourself what? Wholehearted for the first time in our lives. Wholehearted about not only what we're going to do, but who we are. Believe in him. Have faith. And repent. Find yourself. It's a great turning, folks. And you say, well, Rick, I've done it so many times. I've laid in bed and said, no, I'm never going to do that again. In two days, I'm back doing it. Well, it's the Hosanna you have to deal with. It's him on this donkey's colt. That's who you got to deal with. It's not even your own soul. It's the soul saver that you need to deal with. Believe in him with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Folks, your destiny awaits. Not everything good in your life is going to happen in the future. The Bible says today is the day that the Lord has made. And let us rejoice and be glad. There's some of us that, man, need to go back to the bedrock. There's some of us that need to let go of what mom and dad said and what that girl said and what the professor said and what the coach said. You need to let go of it and listen to what God says, and let him change everything. We need to let go of our poverty thinking. Well, I don't have enough money for that. I can't afford that. Listen, we need to return to the rock and find out we're not dealing with our wallet, we're dealing with his. There's a redemption that's here. There's a Hosanna. Perhaps this word is going to become to us cry, a blessing, and praise. Because we haven't discovered all that it means, we've let all that it is change all that we are. Father, we bless you, Father, for your goodness. And we thank you, the Lord, today. You want us, Lord, to, to walk with you in this that's mixed and laid in the road. 
take unforgiveness and lay it in the road. We need to take things that we trust more in the brokenness than in the life and lay it in the road. We need to find ourselves saying, Lord, I've been inconsistent, and now, Lord, I come to you. And Father, I'm going to lay that, whatever identifies me in the road. And I'm going to not miss out on this visitation. No preacher is going to corner me and make me do something. Lord, it's an encounter with you that I see. I thank you, Father, for the testimony of who you are in the days that we're living. And what reaction we're going to have right now.